Welcome to the Maritime Podcast. You are listening to Marcus Hand, editor of Sea Trade Maritime News. Today, we're in conversation with Bertrand Chen, Chief Executive Officer of Global Shipping Business Network, or GSBN. GSBN is an independent, not-for-profit technology consortium aiming to reimagine global trade. Welcome to the Maritime Podcast, Bertrand. Thank you, Marcus. Perhaps, Bertrand, you could start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you came into this role at GSBN. I realize I have a very atypical background for most people who are involved in the shipping industry. So I was born in China. I grew up in France, here by a quite thick French accent. <laughs> but then I went to school in the US, and my first career actually started in finance. So I studied applied math and financial engineering, and I was a trader for 10 years on Wall Street. After 10 years, most of the thing I was trading is highly quantitative, rely on data. I had to change career mainly because after financial crisis, the thing I was doing is not supported by the banks anymore. And essentially, I pivoted and changed to do data science. In Hong Kong, I started to work for airline called Cathay Pacific, and I was looking after the loyalty program of Cathay Pacific called Asia Mars. So there I use data to try to change the business model to see if there's a new way to use the data to create more revenue opportunity for the airline to the loyalty program. And then I was hired away by a conglomerate called CK Hutchison Holding, which is a conglomerate headquartered in Hong Kong with business interests across the world in many sectors. So some of the sectors, retail, telco, energy, critical infrastructure, and also shipping industry in the terminal. So the uh, owner of the Hutchison port, it gets very famous in the, in the shipping world. So my remit within CK Hutchison Holding was to look at, is there any new business that we can set up that leverage the data the group has to create new business model, to change the, the industry, to create new revenue model for the business? And among all those projects, one really caught my eye, that was the Global Shipping Business Network. Since Hutchison Port was one of the early shareholders and stakeholders that was involved in the process. So I started getting really involved into that. And through that project, learned all about the shipping industry and how container really changed the world 60 years ago and how things have been evolved over time. And how also the, over the last three years, I see how the shipping industry is really critical for the global economy. And so that subject became really, really interesting. And I think over the last three years, there's a lot of geopolitical, economical event that has happened that make a blockchain consortium strategy has been critical to the world. So that's how I'm really excited to get into involved in this project. And I was lucky enough to be uh, entrusted with the, the role of leading it. Just to follow up on that a little bit, you've obviously had a background in finance and then into technology. What does that bring to a project like this? So I think... When people typically look at the digital transformation, right, to take an industry as old, as traditional as the shipping industry, and people say, we want to make it more digitized, we want to solve the problem. Typically, people focus on the wrong issue. They focus mostly on the technology, and that's the wrong way to approach it. You should focus on the business. So why actually people are using traditional methods? Why people are doing things this way? Mostly it's driven by either business interest, the way the market is driven, fragmented nature of the supply chain. It could be also by regulators, right? The, the regulator, how they direct the market. It could also be directed by the people, the talent. So even if an industry wants to change, if people who day in, day out do things certain way don't want to change, it's very hard to do. Coming from my background, I, I like to think about it as outsider. So if you want to change this industry, what are the different levels you can play with? And also recognize the difference 
this time around, compared to, let's say, 20 years ago or 30 years ago, when people start to first try to digitize the shipping industry. So one example, for instance, is the initiative like Intra GT Nexus 20 years ago, where I think the shipping line got together and tried to make shipping internet business, right? And it didn't go as far as the promises. And there are a couple of reasons for it. And some are technological, some actually are more business driven. I believe that what we're seeing right now with COVID-19, with the, the, the level of freight rate, <laughs> the disruption is in supply chain, we are really primed to actually apply technology to solve really hard problem. And if you cannot do it now, I think we will never be able to do <laughs> digitization with supply chain, I think. Yeah, so it's a case of trying to be in the right place at the right time. And hopefully, from what you've just said, that is actually now. Just backing up slightly there, obviously, you said you came from the Hutchison side of the business, and they were one of the initial shareholders of GSBN. Maybe you can just tell our listeners a bit about how GSBN was founded and the role it is taking on in that digitalization of shipping and the global supply chain. As you introduced earlier, GSBN is the world's first independent, not-for-profit technology consortium who's leveraging blockchain to build the operating system for to reimagine global trade, right? So I, let me unpack a bit what, what we mean by that. So first off is what is required to change the shipping industry, we believe is a new way of cooperation between different stakeholders, between the shipping line, the terminal, freight forwarder, truckers, BCO, banks, regulators. And in order to do that, what we think we need is like a new operating system, like a Windows, right? To make it work, we believe that only way to make it happen, it has to be a not-for-profit. The reason for that is this operating system will hold a lot of very valuable data. And if this platform, this operating system has data and the platform is for profit, then the incentive will be to try to monetize it, to use the data against the different part of the ecosystem. So only way for people to trust the platform is to create something that's for the better of the entire ecosystem. So the not-for-profit, I think, is a very, very critical aspect of GSBN. And that actually was most attractive to me because I'm kind of a contrarian, right? When I look at every initiative that people have tried to do in the shipping industry so far, I think one reason potentially has failed is everybody has been driven by this, try to build a for-profit business raise a lot of money for the VC and convince people that our solution is the best. And nobody has tried to do the other way around, which is we need to build this infrastructure that everybody has to share and use this utility like distributing water or distributing electricity, right? It shouldn't be for profit. It should be regulated. It should be like only certain type of earning you can make. But because you have a platform that's used by a lot of people, people trust and people can rely on, then you can really build fantastic things that you cannot build right now. The second thing, in order for a platform like that to be able to exist and to be created, you had to have the blockchain technology. What it means by that is you don't have to trust the platform operator. So you don't have to trust GSBN won't leak your information. They won't take your data and give it somebody else. So even GSBN wants to do it, we cannot do it because we rely on blockchain. The data, when you put it on the platform, is encrypted. And the platform operator, GSBN, cannot see your data. So we send off a profit and the technology makes sure that we cannot do anything dangerous or harmful for the users. So I, th I believe those are the two main aspects that makes it, this project really, really interesting. And lastly, as we've seen from the technology perspective, we need to create a new way of collaboration between different partners, between the shipping line, the terminal, the freight forwarder, the truckers, the banks, the customs. If you don't create a new way of operating, it's very hard to change the process to improve the process because most of the time it's not depending on only a single actor. The shipping line by themselves cannot change the industry. The terminal by themselves cannot change it. You really need more than one party to be in agreement how to proceed differently to, in order to meaningfully change the process.
I also take two things from there that you just said, which is that you've got the kind of neutrality commercially, and you've got the technology which is secure. And then following up on your last point, which was the very, all those different parties in the chain, that seems to have been a real stumbling block for a lot of these sort of technologies, like the electronic bill of lading. If, for example, customs in one country doesn't want to adopt it, it doesn't really work. How do you overcome that? That's a very good question. If you take specifically the example of electronic bill of lading, right? What we've seen is over the last 10 years, I believe, there has been two dominant players that emerged, but their uh, adoption rate is still very small. I think mostly it's used by, I believe, commodity traders, like for oil and gas energy. And the main reason is because the cargo is so expensive, so valuable that actually it makes sense to use uh, electronic bit of lading. But mostly for containerized trade, people don't use electronic bit of lading. For one simple reason, actually paper is not that bad. <laughs> paper has some properties of anonymization of you can just take a paper, give it to somebody else, and that person owns the cargo. And that's the reason it has been in use for hundreds of years, right? However, over the last 18 months, because of COVID-19, there's, I think, a massive uptick in interest to use electronic bill of lading. But from my observation in the market, the biggest reason it's hard to use is because you need adoption rate across four entities. You need the buyer bank, the seller's bank, the buyer, seller, everybody have shipping line. Everybody has to be on the same ecosystem. If you're not using the same service provider for the EBL, then it doesn't work. And that hits to the fundamental issue of digitization of supply chain like this is you need everybody to be on the same platform in order to have meaningful change. So that's a clear problem. The way we approach it from a GSB perspective is we're not trying to boil the ocean, right? I believe that there are significant value they can already create by onboarding a limited group of people. So for instance, you have shipping line terminal, you can start to build some product. So right now we have in deploying China is cargo release. We're having terminal and shipping line, it's enough to create significant value. Obviously, long-term, we need to onboard more and more people. Now, that's where you have an issue, a big issue, which typically is the roadblock for digitization, is what is the business value for all those stakeholders to join the platform? Like, what do they get to join the platform? In the case of shipping line terminal, you may say, well, a shipping line a customer of the terminal. So shipping line asks the terminal to join, the terminal will join. They have no choice. <laughs> because the customer say, you join, otherwise we take a business away. But in the case of a BCO, in the case of freight forwarder, you need to have more profound reason, like justification for them to join, or banks, or regulators, right? So you need to create value. The way we approach it from GSB perspective is any type of product that we work on, needs to create value for more than a single party. So you cannot just create value for the shipping and it has to create value for shipping and terminal. And it has to create value for the banks, it has to create value for freight water and trucker as well. That's how in the technology world it's called product market fit. So when you find product market fit is actually you find a product that the market wants and they're willing to pay for it. So we are really looking for what are the simplest product we can come up with where we'll have multitude party of stakeholders who will want to use it. And thereby, they will join GSBN and they come on top of the platform. Maybe one last thing for me to add also, and that explain a bit also how we're thinking from a business model point of view, right? And that has to go back to my background in finance and trading. One of the biggest challenges for data monetization is the following. Everybody believes that their data is super valuable. Everybody else thinks that your data is actually worth nothing. <laughs> so you have this contrast where everybody thinks uh, my data is a lot of money. You need to pay me a lot of money for me to give it to you. And it's like your data is worth nothing. I don't want to pay anything for it. And this kind of unbalance between data buyer and data seller is the reason that typically data platform doesn't really take off. Because you, you cannot solve the initial problem, which is creating some value from the data. 
So what GSBN hopefully can solve is because we have this not-for-profit model, data can be shared on top of GSBN, can create some value, and people can monetize it. It's a platform for people to try to create some value through the platform. And because we have a not-for-profit model, we don't retain the value created from the data. It's going back to the data contributor. So what we hope to achieve is break this vicious circle where for any entity who has interesting data they want to monetize, they can put on GSBN. They will get value from it. People who are interested to build application to solve problems using the data can have a compliant legal way to get the data and to monetize it. So that's how we hope to potentially solve the issue that you mentioned, which is how to get adoption, people joining the platform and put the data on the platform. You mentioned that your first product, which you've been rolling out in China. Can you explain a little bit about that and how that fits into that model that you've just been talking about? Initially, you're bringing on the shipping line and the terminals and then bringing on those other stakeholders within the chain. So maybe let me first give you a quick background. What is Cargo Release? So Cargo Release is a product that we built to help the process at the import. So when a ship arrives at the port of import, there's a series of process that needs to happen. In the past, some mostly is relying on paper and physical presence in order for the cargo to be released. And that involves the shipping line, the terminal, customs, shipping agent, cargo agent, a variety of people. So as you know, the last 18 months with COVID-19, people try to get rid of any physical contact where they don't want to put people's health at risk. In China, it's a very big push to essentially be going more and more paperless. So for that reason, actually in SIPG in Shanghai, so the number one port in the world, there was a very high focus to try to figure out, can we improve the process, get rid of anything that relies on paper or physical contact to digitize everything? And because of that reason, by transmitting those information on blockchain, that solved this problem, that simplified the process to get document ready. So that go from days to a couple hours, which technically is still a couple hours, but it's much better than days already. And maybe the question is, why starting in China, right? And, and there are a couple of reasons for that. So to start with, some of our stakeholder or shareholders, funding members are Chinese SOE, state-owned enterprise, such as Costco Shipping, SIPG, Tinder Ports, Costco Shipping Ports. And for that reason, we actually have a lot of support and also through the SME subject matter expert within Costco, understanding of the Chinese market. Secondly, from a policy perspective of the government in China, there's a big push right now for digitization of the shipping industry and also adoption of blockchain technology. So it's, if you will, a very favorable environment to try a new uh, solution to improve this key aspect of global trade, right? which is how do you improve supply chain. And because of that policy support, it's easier to actually get solution adopted, uh, get people involved and try new things in China right now. I believe this drive actually is a global drive, but hasn't been expressed as strongly as in China. If you look at the 14-year, 5-year policy, clearly highlighted blockchain as one important thing for China. So for that reason, actually, starting in China is a very obvious decision. Now, that being said, global trade is not just China. <laughs> There's a lot of other countries. There's a lot of other networks that we need to build value. And the way we like to think about things is, in order to grow, you need to prove the value of what you bring to the partners, right? If there's no value, the time to play with blockchain, experiment blockchain, but the sake of blockchain, I think that's probably three years ago. But now, no people, they want to see real value. The only way to do that is you need to create this, as I said before, product market fit. This real value is being created by leveraging this technology. So one aspect that's actually really critical for GSBN is in one location, let's say China or Asia, 
can we create enough value so that a lot of people want to join the ecosystem, get more value, and then we'll naturally expand beyond this region, right? So Cargo Valley can right now we're already deploying outside of China in Southeast Asia, in Thailand, in Lam Chabang, in Singapore. We're also looking at next Europe and potentially later on the US. So this kind of process is something that's very natural because trade is networked. The other aspect for the expansion also is right now one of the aspects of supply chain shipping is broken also is it's very siloed. There's another aspect I think is very important, which is trade finance, the financial side of shipping. So Shipper, BCO, they have to get financing. Right now, a lot of SMEs, if they don't have the proper documentation or the history with the banks, they don't get financing. We believe that actually the shipping data is very valuable to help the banks price this risk correctly and provide credit to the right people to support the economy. And that's something that's, I think, also critical to create this product market fit for GSBN. And for that reason, actually, we're working very close with the banks, with other trade finance blockchain consortium to see what is the value we can create together. Against that's also the DNA of GSBN, which is we are really here to collaborate with other people. So we're not here to say we want to maximize the value, we're not for profit. Whoever we can work with who have the same goal in mind, which is to digitize global trade, we can work with them. There's a lot to actually unpack in that answer. I'm going to come back to the trade finance part. I just wanted to pick up on one thing there. You mentioned you know, the not profit and you're willing to work with anyone. How does GSBN fit with other initiatives like, say, for example, Trade Lens? I believe it's right now we're kind of at the early stage of there's another massive industry change, which is the cloud. So you have AWS, we started this kind of first new use case, which is uh, the cloud. And after that, very quickly, you had Azure, which is driven by Microsoft. Now you have GCP, you have Oracle, you have so many uh, vendors. So my view is actually there are and there will be many initiatives in the market to try to tackle this challenge. And we welcome the existence of all those uh, different platforms. What we are trying to do right now here is really think very carefully what is the best way to achieve our goal, which is to really transform completely the industry, how to digitize it. From my point of view, I think what distinguishes GSPN from other platform, other initiative is fundamentally the not-for-profit nature. We're clearly, we're not here to take your data, to monetize it and to become rich. <laughs> Literally, we're here to make everybody more, better, smarter, and be able to solve the problem that you, you're facing right now. If you look at the shipping industry, Right now, it, it feels very broken, right? The shippers are complaining about freight rate that's exploding, asking for investigation from regulators, from FMC open investigation. But really, the reality is just the nature of a business where you have more demand than supply, and the network just cannot cope. With the existing process that it has been built over the last 20, 30 years, it's just you cannot really solve it. Nobody is trying to manipulate the rate, and nobody actually is happy the current nature of the business because it's not sustainable. Long term, it's hurting everyone. So right now, I think we are trying to move from the traditional just-in-time supply chain with the cheapest cost for everything to build something that's more sustainable, that's more resilient, that also will help combating uh, climate change, right? So greener shipping, leveraging technology, and hopefully GSBN can help with that. Yeah, that's uh, I mean, it's a very big set of aims. Just coming back to a slightly more micro level on that, with the cargo release in China and then into sort of Southeast Asia, and you mentioned uh, looking at Europe. Just how's the acceptance of that been so far? And are you starting to achieve that goal, perhaps bringing in some of the other partners beyond the shipping lines and the terminals? 
we are still in early days. <laughs> we only incorporated in March this year. So far, what we've seen is that there's a very large support from the shipping line who are involved in the process. So they're not charging the shippers for this service. And you may say, well, they charge enough already <laughs> for shipping. And this product right now, the, the main adoption is the customer service for the customer is, I think, much improved. From terminal perspective, they're also getting a lot of benefit in the sense that they are experiencing faster turnaround. If the release process is faster, they can handle more flows and potentially address some of the congestion issues, right? Obviously, congestion cannot be resolved by that because it's driven by the virus and then different issues that happen in the supply chain. But hopefully, if you have cargo release, fast tracking some of the process at the terminal, you can handle more volume. The adoption beyond China, I think right now is just started, really. And the question really is, can we create more value beyond just cargo release? Within China, one of the biggest support that we have right now is for the Ministry of Transport, right? So they have established a new project, new program called Changxing Gongcheng. It's Chinese, it just means play away program to essentially fast track the release. And that mostly has roots in the e-commerce. So what you see right now is Tiny-On Network, which is the logistic arm of Alibaba, has been heavily reliant on cargo release. And we expect to see more and more adoption in specific areas, such as e-commerce, cross-border e-commerce, which is very important. And they really enjoy this kind of product. Now, when we go beyond China and go to the rest of Asia, what I think with the combination of cargo release is with trade finance and EBL. Because think from that point of view, right? So if purely you have EBR to digitize a piece of document, it's great. You don't have to go for a piece of paper, but still that doesn't solve the problem of the release. So if you can combine the two products where you have electronic bill of lading, combined with a faster release process, you really clean two birds with one stone. Also, if banks can potentially leverage the supply chain data that you get, they will provide better financing, new products they can provide for the shippers. So that's really what we think adoption will be driven over the next few months is a combination of cargo release plus additional new product that's linked to trade finance or EBL. And that's the adoption curve we expect to see over the next few months. Yeah, that actually sort of brings me back to your earlier answer where you mentioned about trade finance. I was going to ask you, how do you bring that part of the equation into it as you go forward? Perhaps you could explain to listeners just a little bit more about what you were talking about there. Sure. Trade finance actually is a very important element in the equation of GSBN. So I believe one of the reasons a lot of the platform originally that tried to digitize the industry had difficulty to take off and to scale is what is the business proposition? What is the value providing to the user? So typically, I think a lot of the use case were surrounded around visibility. So you put information on blockchain, more information, more transparency, and then it's easier to coordinate, easy to figure out what's happening in the supply chain. Unfortunately, visibility is something everybody wants, but nobody wants to pay for. And it's really hard to build a model around visibility. And some people will say, well, GT Nexus, Intra, all those solutions, Cargo Smart, they all provide visibility already. Like what's so special about visibility, right? So I, I don't discount the value they can come up with if you have more visibility about the information, what's happening to do better coordination. But maybe they're that easy to solve at the beginning, to create value from the beginning. However, we believe at GSBN that if you look at trade finance, if you provide the supply chain information to the banks, immediately they can create some value. So the first value they can figure out is, is this shipment real or not real? That avoid double financing. The second type of problem they can value also is maybe they can assess the risk 
of a shipment of a cargo they're financing differently. They can also potentially structure their loan differently because before it was a black box. It's just purely financing the entire shipment. But now you have different milestone, you can price the risk differently. And based on my background in finance, I know that money is really made when you slice the risk of a trade differently. That's how you make money. So the more information, the more data point, the more milestone you can provide to a bank, the better they will be allocated the risk to the right people. So you can imagine, for instance, that some people are willing to take certain type of the risk. In the past, they couldn't do that because there's no way to measure what's happening to the cargo. Thanks to GSBN, they were able to tell the cargo is leaving the depot, is going to the terminal, is being loaded on the ship, is going from the ship to the transshipment terminal, is going to transshipment terminal to the terminal arrival, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You can have the entire milestone on blockchain. You can verify what's happening, and based on that, you can price the risk of financing very differently, and you can allocate that the risk to the right people. It's really interesting how you brought your finance background into this as well. The ability to sort of break down the risk. Using the data as well in terms of the shipping. If we look sort to the next two to three years, what are the aims of GSBN? What kind of things are we going to be seeing from the organization? So over the next two three years for GSBN, I think the first goal is, as I said before, reach this product market fit. We need to create a sustainable a flywheel of value. What I mean by flywheel of value is, people join GSBN's member, they will contribute data. The data can be used to build application, application that solves a problem that attract new members. So if we have a good set of products, then this flywheel just keeps rotating, and we have more and more members, better, better data, better, better application. And without doing too much effort on our side to offer business development and convince people to join, very quickly you will have a sort of exponential growth of the platform. So that's really the goal that we try to achieve within the next three years. Our shareholders are committed to the transformation. That we need to prove also that this way of doing, which is very different than traditional. Project to digitize the shipping industry has some merit and really can work. So that's the first thing you have to prove that it actually can work. The second goal is to essentially have a significant presence in many jurisdictions, many countries. So as I said before, right, shipping is a global business. Right now, we're fortunate enough that we have a strong support in Asia, in China, and we can use that to build a very strong foundation. But within two three years, we have to go beyond China, Asia. It's evidence, and it could be in Europe, U.S., Africa, Latin America. Another thing I expect also is right now we are squarely focused on container shipping, but shipping is very <laughs> complex, and there's many different aspects of shipping. There's also dry bulk. There's also special transportation for like wood, or and fundamentally they have different issues, but they are dealing with similar problem. So, to the extent that we can extend the application beyond container shipping, that's also a target that we have. The main reason for that is when we talk to, let's say, banks or EBL solution provider, they don't just deal with the container; they deal with the shipping industry at large. And we believe that if we create enough product, we have enough people in the ecosystem who can handle this. Naturally, they also gravitate towards other type of shipping. So that's a potential also growth over the next three years. So, product, geography, and then different type of shipping. Quite a growth platform set out there for GSBN. At the start, you kind of said that you know if digitalization doesn't happen now in shipping, it probably never will. They've got all these conditions that with COVID and so forth. Looking ahead, what do you see for digitalization and shipping in a more broader sense? So the reason I'm very bullish in、uh, digitalization in the shipping industry is actually there's many reasons. The first reason I would say is because the shipping line, the carrier. 
are just making a lot of money right now. <laughs> I think the earning is probably, I think on aggregate, they're probably making what, 120 billion, estimated 120 billion uh, US dollar this year. That's a lot of money. Some can say, well, over the last 10 years, last decade wasn't that much money. So maybe just giving back to their shareholders. But when you have so much earning to an industry, I think now they have a couple of decisions they have to make. They have roughly, I think, from all the shipping line, only three decisions they can make. One is to pay money back dividend to the shareholders. The second one is invest in physical assets. So building a larger ship or replacing the existing fleet to potentially comply with the new regulation for global warming, right? for essentially meet the certain target by 2050. That will provide probably cost benefits or better funding rate for the market because they fulfill the ESG commitment of the shareholders. The last aspect, which I think the smarter shipping are awakening to is digitization, just invest in transformation. And I see aggressively many shipping lines looking at how can we spend the money either acquiring startup in the logistic tech, right, the logistic technology space, or changing the existing process. And that's just not the shipping line. Shipping line, I think, will be the main driver because just have so much earnings right now. But freight forwarders, terminal, I, I think I will see a renaissance of this industry from technology perspective, although nobody expected that. COVID-19 brought a lot of earning potential. And I think the industry has to seize the opportunity to change completely the way things are done. So that's the first aspect. The second aspect, I think the shipping industry also are very lucky in the sense that many transformation has been adopted in the past and they have the opportunity to leverage on technology that has been proven or has been tried for other industry. So for instance, uh, big data analysis, AI, has been developed by the FANG industry. Now we can potentially apply that to the shipping industry. Blockchain, IoT, all this new technology has been developed for other industries can potentially be applied to the shipping industry. So essentially, shipping industry doesn't have to go through the learning curve of experimenting with technology that's not mature. So that's another reason I think it's, it's, it's quite important. The last thing also is, I believe uh, globalization that people are, are decrying right now is not going away. The realization right now is you probably have to do the shipping industry differently. You have to make the supply chain more resilient. Every single company who are the C-suite are all looking at how do we handle the logistics? How do we handle the uncertainty about freight rates? What is our strategy? Because supply chain these days impact not only the bottom line from the cost perspective, but also top line. Because if you cannot ship your goods from the place of manufacturing to the place of, of sale, you are hurting your revenue. So this is a very important point for a lot of senior executives. So for these three reasons, I really believe that this is uh, probably the best time to do digitization. And as I said before, facetiously, if you cannot work in this kind of environment, you will never work. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good way of summing it up. I really like the term technological renaissance for the industry. I think that's a, a really good way of putting it. And then all those factors you just described in terms of the current situation and managing the supply chain and how critical that has become, where I think a lot of that had been taken for granted in recent years. And now with the costs involved and the difficulties, it's, that's really changed. Just to wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to add? From GSBN perspective, I think that's very exciting to try to change the industry. We have different way of thinking about the way to handle issues. Personally, I come from more from background from the financial industry, which is you cannot force anyone to do things they don't want to do. It's all about incentive. 
So if the platform does not provide an incentive for people to collaborate, they won't do it. Nobody's going to do something that's going to hurt their bottom line. So the key action from GSBN perspective is try to figure out what's the best way to make people in the shipping industry collaborate together. From a technology perspective, my CTO comes from a blockchain engineering company. So we look at from technology perspective, very simple, is we don't want to marry to one single technology vendors. We're happy to work with any vendors can provide solutions. So from technology perspective, also with the agnostic. So we don't ask a partner to say you have to switch to a special vendor because <laughs> that's our vendor. We're happy to work whatever you want. But the last aspect also, which I think we didn't get a chance to talk about is I believe increasingly it will be more and more difficult to set up a platform like GSBM because I see over the next 10, 15 years, more and more regulation around data. So many countries will adopt very strict rule about how and when and why you're sharing data. So from GSMIN perspective, that's one of the key value add we provide, which is we provide a very secure, safe, and compliant manner to exchange data that's endorsed by different jurisdictions. So because we design the platform and the business around it, we are more confident we can succeed in that, as opposed to if you don't consider regulation and the trajectory people are looking towards data, it could very soon come to a point where, let's say, in China or European Union or US, Brazil, India, they come up with new rules about, oh, this data is critical infrastructure, cannot leave the country, you cannot use it for this and for that. How would you be able to handle it? How would you be able to trust a platform to make sure that data doesn't uh, violate some of the rules? And when you violate those rules, I think the consequences are very, very severe right now. So that's another reason we think that we're providing some value to the, to the ecosystem, to the shipping industry. Yeah, that's a, a very interesting point now in terms of the data and regulation going forward. I'd just like to thank you so much for taking the time today, Bertrand, and to talk to our listeners about what GSBN is doing and the things driving it. It'd be great to come back, talk to you in, say, 12, 18 months' time and see where all this is heading and progressing. Sure, love to. Thank you. Thank you for your time, Bertrand.